most people are having a very an unconscious question mark and they're evaluating your level of credibility. So you've got to appear credible. It's not just an appearance, but the evidence has to back it up based on your own skill. Hello, my friend, and welcome to this sixth installment of our series on servant leadership. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad that you've taken steps to become a greater impact and influence in your leadership. And the servant leadership model is perfect for aiming for greatness and serving others as we lead. So here we are talking about each essential aspect of servant leadership. How do we become more effective as servants? Well, we do that through identifying behaviors and patterns in the leadership model that help us give us another tool in our tool belt. And this week, we're going to talk about the idea of persuasion. And if you haven't listened to the other episodes, beginning with the first in the series on servant leadership, which was a foundation, and then each individual episode that covers a different area, such as listening skills, how to create an idea and a position, if you will, of empathy as a servant leader. How do we search for and seek healing as leaders? And then, of course, why not discuss the idea of how to be aware and create this sense of awareness in our own lives so that we can identify problems and solutions to our leadership journey. And so today, such an important piece. I love this topic of persuasion because if you recall from our very first episode, and if you haven't listened to that, definitely go back and listen to that episode on the foundations of leadership. What is leadership? We said that leadership is the discovery of, the influence toward, and the achievement of shared purpose. So discovery, influence, achievement, and of course that middle part influence and persuasion go hand in hand. And so when we're talking about persuasiveness, I've found that there's so much misunderstanding in how we identify how to be persuasive, how to create a compelling argument and justify it. In fact, persuasion is really just our ability to cause action through a logical, reasonable, and sound argument. So that's how we persuade. It's very different than coercion. It's very different than manipulation. We are looking at having a conversation to move a follower or a potential follower into a position to where their lives are improved and impacted in a positive way. This is really the heart of the servant leader as a person who persuades. And that is a distinct difference from someone who is attempting to persuade you for their own benefit. Because the servant leader, what makes the servant leader's ability to persuade differently than someone who has ill intentions is really the motive and the focus. Because a servant leader is motivated to help you achieve your goals and meet your highest priority needs within the space of shared purpose with that servant leader. So this is the idea of leadership. We share a desire for a future state 
and the servant leader helps to motivate you to achieve that goal and meet your highest priority needs within that space by identifying clear, logical, sound arguments to move forward. And the other piece is focus. The servant leader focuses our attention on a problem and a solution and then shares how we can together contribute, contribute in authoring this better future state. And that's how this idea of persuasiveness and influence begins to manifest. So how do we do that? Let's unpack how to be persuasive. And as we do that, you think of people who have been persuasive in your own life, people that who you respect. And there's been people who've been persuasive that you know that perhaps their art of persuasion isn't in your best interest. Now, of course, you may try to stay away from those kind of people. I know people like that in my life and, and you know people as well. There's even people in your life who are masterful at persuasion and you may not even want to have a conversation with them because you believe that they'll have so much persuasive ability, they'll persuade you to do something that you don't really want to do. We're not talking about that at all today. We're talking about persuasion with integrity. We're talking about persuasion with ethics with moral fiber we're talking about persuasion that focuses on the highest priority need of the follower that is the pinnacle if you will of how we persuade so what is persuasion based upon it's based upon an argument and we botch this all the time i've done it i know others have done it where we don't form a compelling argument in fact the university i teach our students to form every thought every paragraph around an argument so that you can have a clear step-by-step -step process in terms of how you explain your position and you may have seen this before you might have heard about this but it's really a three-part process we go from claim to justification to evidence and form a compelling argument in those terms in, in that order the problem is most of us hang out in the claim space right we, we make these claims and there's no justification and there's no evidence you see it all the time on social media where people state a claim you got to vote for so and so right that's it it's making a claim because they're the best or because they're fantastic or because they're going to help us there's really no justification and there's no evidence which is very difficult to have a compelling argument so a more compelling argument would be to state a claim vote for this individual because this individual is going to help us with our economy maybe we have a struggling economy and then you justify it by really providing background or support or an explanation by stating this person has had tremendous success as a governor through very fiscally conservative methods of governance right it's an explanation of why you believe that and then you provide evidence with facts with truth with stats through this person's tenure as governor the budget was balanced there was a $300,000 surplus roads schools so on had X dollars for additional resources to support their needs you're providing very clear evidence so you move from claim to justification to evidence and that is a three-part process on creating an argument it may or may not be compelling it still has to be relevant to the individual and their needs this is back to 
the idea of what makes a servant leader's ability to persuade different because of the motivation on the highest priority needs of the follower and the focus on the attention on the problem and the solution that you share with the follower so that you can contribute together to authoring that better future state. So it goes without saying that it's imperative for us to understand our followers' needs. This goes back to a couple episodes ago when we talked about healing. Where is their pain in this follower's journey? And me as a servant leader, how can I create a compelling argument on how to move from pain from a position of pain to a position of pleasure, from a position of perhaps having all kinds of trouble to having success. And so I've got to understand where my follower, the individual that I'm attempting to persuade is in that journey. So I've got to walk a mile in their shoes. I've got to step into their world. And then and only then can I create a claim, a justification and evidence that speaks to that need. So that's the basis on how to form an argument. Once I understand how to structure an argument to be persuasive, then I'm going to go to stage two. And stage two is where I develop my three-part, new three-part process in articulating that claim, that justification, and that evidence through, we're going to go way back. We're going to go way back to 2,300 years ago, Aristotelian ethics, Aristotelian rhetoric, where the philosopher Aristotle, who was a Greek philosopher, you may have heard of him, believed that we can form a compelling argument if we look at it from three different angles and employ these three different angles in our vernacular, in our language, in our talk. One is ethos, the two is logos, and the third is pathos or pathos. So let me break these down for you. Ethos is our credibility. We have to establish credibility before we can really establish that we are worthy to be listened to. And really it comes down to like an economic perspective, what is the value proposition? What's the utility of your words based on your own experience, based on your own expertise? And if you remember from episode on power moving to influence, we talked about expert power and how expert power, your power of your expertise, as long as it's perceived to be valuable, has potential for influence. For example, my ethos in terms of years of leadership development, years of business coaching, years of educating entrepreneurs and in both applied and academic circles from years of having advanced degrees in these areas and studying incessantly and contributing to the community and the body of leadership, that creates credibility. It's possibly one of the reasons why you're even listening today is because you believe that the credibility is significant enough to listen. And that's really a first step. So you've got to establish your credibility as a leader in this situation where you're attempting to persuade. And really it's subconscious or subliminal. Most people are having a very an unconscious question mark and they're evaluating your level of credibility. So you've got to appear credible. And it's not just an appearance, but the evidence has to back it up based on your own skills. And sometimes, yes, 
credibility is just being two steps ahead. That can certainly have credibility. Sometimes that's enough. Sometimes it's not. For example, I've owned an an accounting and advisory firm. As some of you know, it takes years, at least a decade, to establish a decent level of credibility in the tax world. So it's not just two steps ahead in that realm. Same thing with a physician or an engineer or an attorney. A lot of professional services require years and years and years of building credibility in that area based on their own experience. And so establishing credibility, your own ethos is the very first stage of having the possibility to even persuade someone. Because if they look at you and you have no credibility, they believe that you have no business even having the conversation. But if you can establish your experience, your merit, your understanding, your depth, your cognition, your ability to disseminate and synthesize in this area, then that's the first step. And your ethos is extremely important because when someone is evaluating whether or not they should give you their time and or their money, one of the first subliminal ways that the individual makes that assessment, it's really an economic choice if you think about it, it's utility or the value proposition is the exchange useful. One of the very first subconscious evaluations that a person performs is to evaluate whether you have credibility, whether you're worth listening to, whether you're worth rationalizing with. And so that's going to come into play right away. So you as a leader must first address that subliminal unconscious question mark by identifying and just demonstrating your credibility. And that doesn't mean that you're going to be egotistical or you're going to be haughty or prideful. It just means that you explain where your expertise lies based on your experiences so that it lays a foundation for why you're even having this conversation. So once we establish our credibility, our ethos, and then the next step is to establish logos. And really what logos is, it's rationality, it's logic, it's reason, the concrete aspect of how we move someone from a position of perhaps unpersuaded to persuaded. And that's by using data, figures, facts, evidence, truth. All of those pieces are part of the logos aspect of it. And then the last part is pathos or pathos. And pathos is the emotional aspect, fear, love, anger, joy, happiness. All of these are emotions, sadness, so many different emotions that can be drawn into the relationship of moving someone into a position of persuasion. So I'm going to give you an example. This is very recent that I have a leadership development group, as some of you may know, which is my leadership elite group as part of our great summit leadership development program. And for our next leadership retreat, my desire was to have a way to really impact my group. And we're working on some aspects of servant leadership in our retreat material. And I thought, wouldn't it be so cool if I had one member of 
their individual lives to share how important their servant leadership is, why it matters, what they love about it, and some encouragements to help them traverse and overcome obstacles to their leadership journey in a video form. Now, so this was my idea, and I had to persuade every single loved one or somebody who is intimately acquainted with each member of my group's leadership journey to embark on this journey with me, persuade them to produce a video that I could share at the next retreat. So how do I do that? I employ all three of these aspects of the persuasive model. First, the ethos. I start with as a leadership coach, as someone who is really engaged in the servant leadership realm, somebody who has devoted a lifetime in this area, I believe that there's a tremendous amount of value that we can create by showing leaders why and who we serve and why it's important. So that's my ethos piece, right? So I explain my credibility. And then the second is logos, explaining that these leaders have an amazing opportunity ahead of them. And each step they take will be a step toward helping others because this world has a disparage of leaders who are serving others, who will attempt to stand in the gap and affect change in such a way that it leads to better future states. That's just, that's logic and reason. I can cite a few different statistics on how effective leadership and ineffective leadership work and how there's so much more potential for helping others to reach that goal. And then I share the pathos part. What a blessing it is for these individuals to see you, their loved ones, share something that's so dear to their own heart about how important you are to their leadership. And I can just imagine seeing them right now moved by your contribution to their lives. So I'm employing the pathos, the emotion of the connection, the bond, the care, the love. And so my ask is, will you help me? Will you help me invest in this individual by sharing a short video on these aspects of their servant leadership that I know that you're intimately acquainted with? So I've employed ethos. I've employed logos and I employed pathos. And the last piece is people say, yes, absolutely, Nate. I'm happy to contribute. So I've persuaded them to contribute to a better future state, not only for the person who they'll be sharing a video for, but also for them, because that's so much of what leadership is. In fact, I just got a text before I was about to record this from one of my other students who is a true persuader. And I was sharing, I'm about to record this episode, and I think I might just share a text that you just sent me, because here's what this person said. Life is all about finding out what other people want and where that overlaps with what you can provide. How about that for succinct on what we've been talking about on this episode of servant leadership in relationship to persuasion? And that's really what it is. That's a short range goal. And as far as an example, sometimes persuasion isn't that fast. Sometimes it's not in a moment or a few moments of a conversation. Sometimes it's over days and months and even years. I mean, if you think about different ways that persuasion has manifested itself in a servant leadership model, 
I think of examples such as William Wilberforce. You may have not heard of William Wilberforce, and if you've listened before, you might have heard me trickle some of his stories throughout our podcast. William Wilberforce was a reformer back in the late 1700s and into the 1800s in England. He was a member of parliament, and through his life, he became very moved to join the cause of abolition of slavery. But he knew he couldn't help to abolish slavery until the slave trade, trading slaves, was abolished first. And so he went on this plight every year to introduce a bill to abolish the slave trade in England. And every year it was shot down. And he began to join a group that approached this issue with their country rather than through legislation first through the what they called the reformation of manners he had a group called the clapham circle who were people that had a desire to illuminate the horrendousness these atrocities from a cultural a communal perspective and they began to share how heinous this act of the slave trade was and slowly more and more people began to become persuaded to the need for change, for progress. And it was a march year after year after year until decades later, finally, bills started getting passed. First, the abolition of the slave trade and then slavery as a whole. And this process of persuasion through the ethos of Wilberforce and his group's credibility bringing in slaves and former slaves to discuss how this act is heinous from a logical and reasonable and fact-based way through logos and then assimilating a pathos and emotion that this is so incredibly painful for the human condition that it must not continue to go on. And eventually people were persuaded and the world changed slowly for the better. What about you? What about you in your life? How can you employ ethos, logos, and pathos in a way that isn't self-aggrandizing, that is not self-centered, but is all about finding out what other people need to help their highest priorities and achieve their goals within the space of shared purpose with you? Well, my friend, this has been our episode on persuasion from the perspective of servant leadership. I'm so glad you joined me. I'm so glad you're with me on this. This is one more tool in your tool belt on these solo episodes that I'm so glad to join you with. Stay tuned for the next episode because we're going to be getting close to wrapping up. The next episode is going to be all about humility and how servant leaders can thrive while being humble. Well, my friend, I am so thrilled that you joined me on this episode of A Call to Leadership. And before you go to the next episode, especially if you're binge listening, take a moment. I would love to get your honest review right here on your screen. Your feedback is so important. It helps the podcast. It encourages me and it helps me. It helps me to give you more and more and more value. So I can't wait to read your review. I can't wait to be with you on the next episode. I'm Dr. Nate Sala. 
This is a call to leadership.